From the east side to the west, this is From the Land, the Cleveland Sports and More podcast. I'm your host, Jason Gerber, and tonight we talk the Def Woo Guardians, 13 Shades of Brown, MLB trade deadline news, and all ears from the land, ladies' night. I am joined tonight by two of the best ever. Co-host Phil Denko is here. Hey, Gerbs. Def Woo. I love it. I love it, and thanks for having me. <laughs> Does everybody know Def Woo? Is that just an inside joke? Well, at, least, at least you and I know Def Woo because we were on that team, right. right? Yeah. I'm going to have to explain that one. All right. Brand new dad, Chuck Rambaldo, yeah. is here as well. Chuck, how are you? Right on. I'm pre- I'm I'm yeah. great, actually. Couldn't be better. Yeah. Well, you're yeah. going to love this. This is a really great opportunity right in your backyard. All you need for this position is a willingness to be on call 24 hours a day for the next 30 years, patience, <laughs> 30 years. the oh. ability to have fun even when you're exhausted, and an understanding that your money won't be your money for a really long time. For all that, you get paid $0 and develop more gray hair, but every step of the way is totally worth it. Want to be a new dad? Yeah. That's one job you can't find, <laughs> I hope, on yeah. Indeed.com. Maybe you can. Uh, oh, <laughs> Chuck, it's not every week our show adds one new listener. So how are baby Charlie, your lovely wife, Whitney, and now old news Chip doing? Yeah. <laughs> well, everybody's doing really well. She is... She, the second she was born, I'm like, oh, she looks exactly like Chip. And I spent nine months going, please don't let her look like me. You know, let her, let her look <laughs> yeah. like my wife. Everybody agrees. But everybody's good. Thank yeah. God. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Everybody's good. Uh, old news Chip and me have spent a lot of time this week walking cool. the neighborhood, cutting sidewalks with his bubble blowing uh, nice. lawnmower. It's, it's been great, man. It's, I, I forgot what it's like to have a newborn in the house, but overall no complaints that's awesome man i love it um could not be happier for you and your family and glad to have her on board with the team she should be ready to start potting in what like six weeks easily yeah she'll be ready in the meantime why don't we get started we'll stay at home guardians week cap recapping the week for the cleveland guardians do not fuck with the cleveland guardians Guards played Road Warriors this week, taking two of four in a tough series against the Red Sox in Fenway, and then traveling to Del Boca Vista to take on the Tampa Bay Rays. (laughs) The Guardians and the Rays split Friday and Saturday, but the guards are playing so well right now that they played their nerds on Sunday and still got a win. Brian Shaw started, (laughs) so did Ernie Clement, and some dude named Alex Carr started in right field. Austin Hedges had two RBIs, and Kirk McCarty went three innings and only gave up one run. Guards take two of three from the Rays, finish the week 52-49, and just one game out of first place in the Central Division. Coming out of two tough series against two good teams this week, what does it tell you about where the guards are right now? It tells me. Don't ever f*** with us is what it tells me. Def Wu for sure. This team, <laughs> y- you know what? They won two two of those four wins were bullpen games, which is ridiculous. Like that's yeah. you're just handing the other team a win in that situation, right? Especially especially the Guardians, you're completely playing out of your strength, right? The strength is our starters, and we're just gonna throw Brian Shaw out there for the first two innings. We might be down ten nothing before the third inning starts, and and they won both games because of guys like McCarty, like you said. So, you know, Tito's been saying it all year on post-game interviews, and it's just like, all right, canned manager talk, but they don't give up. They don't quit. Like, they just keep playing. They, these young guys are are making plays on both sides of the ball, and there is no quit in this team. So if the game is close, there's a chance. And they took four out of seven this week, which is a great week. Even yesterday's game where they were down – and it still felt like they have a chance here, you know, like with Ramirez came up and I know at least online killed him. Like, why are you swinging at that? That was the worst at bat I've seen him have all season. It, it was, I didn't see what anybody said on the internet, but it was, I know what I said in my oh, living killed room. Him. They <laughs> yeah. Killed him. yeah. <laughs> I think what I realized too today was uh, when I was watching it on the app that won't remain nameless because I don't want it to ever disappear is I was listening to the home teams broadcast and they were almost annoyed with the guardians. Like they go deep in counts, you know, they play 
they play small ball. They, you know, like I, I was writing notes. I'm like, bloop hits, you know, like, great. But then I realized, shit, we need three hits to score one run normally. <laughs> yeah. And I don't know if that's a, a good recipe for success coming towards a playoff run, but uh, they're not out of any game. And it, it's it's fun to watch this team. It's a fun time every time knowing that it might not be a three-run home run that's going to get them back in the game. It's just guys doing what they got to do to get on base and move runners over and score runs. I see a team that can play with anybody. Like, I know the Red Sox aren't exactly playing great baseball right now, and it's probably in that series the worst I've ever seen a Major League Baseball team play defense over the course of four games. I mean, they were yeah. just atrocious. I think they had seven or eight errors in four games. I mean, it was that was really bad. But that's still a pretty solid team, and that lineup killed the Guardians like a month and a half ago or something like that when they were in Cleveland. So that team can play. And the Rays are a legit playoff team. Uh, and to be able to go in on the road and compete in every single game, every single game this week was close. And I, I'm with you, Chuck. I, I still felt even on Saturday afternoon when they were down a few, like they, they can still come back and get into this game. Like you have to play 27 outs against this team. That was what I took away from it. They can play with anybody. And that's really, really exciting. I don't know. You know, they were four and three. So they're only one game over 500 for the week, but it felt much better than that. It felt like a really, really good baseball team all week long. Uh, and I think they should be really satisfied with the work they did this week against the Red Sox and the Rays. So who's your MVG most valuable guard for the week? <laughs> it might not have been because of his output, but the more I'm watching this team and the more we're talking about this team, I think Naylor might actually be like Ramirez is the MVP of the team, but I think Naylor is the heartbeat of this team. It seems like maybe it's just because he's fiery and he's emotional uh, at all times, but it worries me that if his ankle is, is, and we might defer here to the doctor of sports science, Phil Danko, to know what's actually going on with him. If he misses any real time, I think he's, he's just as valuable to the team, maybe not the stat categories as uh, J-Ram, but that, that's who I think almost every week is becoming my guy. It's like, if he goes, this team goes. Yeah, I think I, that's a good choice. I mean, I think Naylor's all about emotion, and, and this young team could use that, right, from week to week. But I, I think just this past week, if I had to give someone an MVP, I'm going to give it to a guy that's been struggling of late. Well, not of late, but prior to recent times in Miles Straw. That guy turned over this lineup to Quan, who was my runner up for MVP for the week over and over again this week. So you have a guy like Miles Straw batting ninth, which we talked about in the past, demotion for sure. But once he starts getting back to hitting, and I think he hit over 300 this past week, once he gets back to hitting well, there isn't that just void at the end of our lineup. He turns it over to the, the top of the lineup. What I saw in these last seven games is Miles Straw was on first or second base a lot of times, and Stephen Kwan would then hit a single. So all of a sudden, you had two guys on, maybe the corners with one or two with outs. Coming worst. up, yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. You, were, you were really setting the table from the back end of that lineup, and I think that was huge to Chuck's point, where we need three singles to score runs because no one's going to just we're not getting a run of home runs all of a sudden in the middle of our lineup. So to have that production out of the nine hole for Miles Straw, I'm going to give him the MVG of the week. I like the way the lineup functions with him hitting well at the end. It's the way it's exactly the way you want a lineup to to run. You know, you're going to get that guy up there and you're going to set the plate for the top of the order. And it's been working, especially the last like two or three weeks when he's hitting well. But I can't believe you guys went through that and missed the obvious choice of Brian Shaw as the most <laughs> valuable guard. Come on. <laughs> guy went toe to toe yeah. with Tampa Bay's ace yeah, for two true. innings. That's true. That's true. <laughs> two innings. And when yeah. he left, he had the lead barely because he really tried to give it away. Yeah. I'm actually kidding. I'm giving mine to Stephen Kwan. Hit 324, and if you're watching the game today, he threw out a, a runner at the plate at a big moment in the game, which kind of killed a rally for Tampa Bay and and maintained that two-run lead, which is what they ended the game with. But uh, Stephen Kwan playing great. I think he's got like a 13-game hitting streak now. Just playing outstanding and um, at the top of the order, like you were saying, Phil, getting on base, making things happen. Next week, weird week coming for the guards. They come home for three against the Diamondbacks, and then the Houston Astros come to town for four games to close out the week. The Astros are only two games behind the Yankees for the best record in the American League. Is next weekend the end of the Def Wu Guardians? 
<laughs> I would say get get your W's with Arizona coming to town because the Astros, like you're saying, they're playing really good baseball, and we hate the Astros. I think that's been pretty said pretty standardly on on the pod. But I'm hoping you take two or three, and then maybe, oh man, I would love to see them split. But I, I, if they can squeak out one win against the Astros, I think I'm happy. So the seven games, I think we you get. You shoot for four wins any way you can, right? Like Chuck said, maybe two two out of three against Arizona, then you split with Houston. But maybe realistically, you've got to sweep Arizona and get one out of the four from Houston. Yeah. You got to, man, it's at home though. So one or two wins against Houston, as long as you took care of business against Arizona is fine. Uh, you just can't, you can't afford any kind of four game sweep at this stage. No way. Things are way too close in our division. And even though they're not in our division, we've got to we got to keep winning series at this point got to think at home they should be able to get to even though the astros are playing really well and are clearly the second best team in the american league come on you're coming into our park they yeah, should whoop. be able to do it <laughs> <laughs> although what, what what worries me is that like weird injuries are starting to catch up like all of a sudden you saw today what it means not to have josh naylor and owen miller Naylor, you you hate to lose, but Owen Miller seems like a guy who, if you don't have him, it's not that big a deal. Except that that means that Big Earn is getting a lot of at bats, and so I guess we got to look and see what is the injury situation going to be like when you get to the end of the week, and and also at an end of a another week where they're playing seven games in seven days. You know, these guys haven't had a break in since the break, mm -hmm. so we'll we'll see where they're at, at the end of the week. I'd like to think they can get four this week, but I think that's going to be tough. But that's it for our Guardians week cap. Let's move on as we get ever closer and closer to the 2022 Cleveland Browns season. Another 13 shades of brown, our 13-week preview for the Browns' upcoming season. Only six weeks to go. This week, we talk pass catchers and our first ever monkeypox. Who's catching it? <laughs> the wide receiver room for the Cleveland Browns has a lot of new faces. Wide receivers in camp are Amari Cooper, Donovan Peoples-Jones, David Bell, Anthony Schwartz, Jamarcus Bradley, Michael Woods II, Javon Wims, Isaiah Weston, and Hakeem Grant. Only two of these guys are back from last year's team that Jarvis Landry led in wide receiver receptions. He was ranked 67th in the NFL, and he led the Browns. Is this young group stepping up or stepping back? No, they're stepping up. I, I, well, all right. How do I put this? I guess the pass delivery this year, I expect to be better than, <laughs> than last year. So the pass catching will in turn be better. This is the year for DVP to really make that jump as a, as a second receiver, right? Like this is it, man. Like he's shown, he's shown it. He, he, like You need that next jump this season for sure. And with Amari Cooper lining up in, in as the one receiver, he's going to have the same protection he had last year, if not better, right? So Cooper's an upgrade from what we had on the field last year. And then we need DVP to be kind of your Landry from last year, but maybe even a little bit better. So it, it's, it's a younger core, but it's time to step up. I think they're stepping up because you can't really s step back from where they were last year when you're saying our best receiver was statistically ranked 67 uh, in the NFL. Cooper runs super clean routes, apparently one of the best I'm route so runners sick in of the hearing NFL. about him being the best route runner <laughs> know, ever. Right? Like, get, Me too. All right. I get yeah, it. He's I know. Like yeah. I just want to see him catch and score yeah, touchdowns right. would be great. Uh, he's the best touchdown catcher in the NFL would be so much better with people's Jones. Here's how I look at that guy. You're playing with house money. This dude was like a sixth or seventh round draft pick. And we're saying he's our, our number two who stretched the field last year, who wasn't even that fast. I'm hoping either Schwartz, who I think has some small injury, uh, or the the Bell, Bell right? Yeah. Is that yeah. his name? The kid They're from hurt, He was yeah. a draft pick, yeah. yeah. Like one of those guys has to become an integral part of this offense, but I really think you're going to see the ball be swung out a lot to, to running backs uh, early in the year because – depending on who's starting uh, at quarterback six to eight games, apparently going to be announced tomorrow, <laughs> somewhere in that vicinity. I don't know if these guys have to be superstar wide receivers. There just has to be more production than there's been the past couple of years from there. So you're looking at two solid guys we know. And then one of these other dudes has to step up um, as a slot dude. I assume Schwartz, if he doesn't get killed, 
uh, or Bell, one of the two. It's just tough. I think you've got a, a real solid guy that you know what you're going to get in Amari Cooper, and then it's a bunch of question marks after that. We have yet to see enough from Donovan Peoples-Jones to to know that he's going to be able to be a productive number two wide receiver. Could happen. Would be great if it did. A lot of question marks, I think. I think it's just a really young group after Cooper, and that's tough to rely on them, especially when there may be some issues at the quarterback spot to start the year. After the wide receivers, our pass catchers are our tight ends. Browns have six tight ends in camp this year. The over-under on Bravo Brown hyphenated tight end names is 2.5. What are you taking? Wait, what? Bravo Brown hyphenated tight. We have six tight ends. And the over-under is 2.5? I'm going to go under. Under. I'm still trying to catch up to the Bravo (laughs) Brown. Because he's our hyphenated coach. There's one hyphenated hyphenated coach. coach. Bravo Brown? Remember, Uh, he hyphenated because of marriage. Yeah. So wait, the over under is two point five on how many are going to make no, the roster? How many, how many have hyphenated, hyphenated last, names? last names? Oh Jesus, God, man! I'm sorry. The I thought we were actually of talking one. real football stuff. Uh, I'm uh, take. I'll take the under. <laughs> the Browns, like I said, have six tight ends in camp: David Njoku, Harrison Bryant, Miller Forrestall, Nakia Griffin Stewart, Zaire Mitchell Payton, and Marcus Santos Silva. Those last three are made up. Those are made up names. Yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah. <laughs> 100% real. Roberto. Right. Who's having <laughs> Roberto and Juan, I know. All right. Who's having a bigger year? Big contract Dave or fourth round pick Brian? Mm. Uh, you would think it would be Njoku. Um, we've all been waiting for him, and he got his big, huge contract. And I still think he's a mismatch, and he's an athletic freak, and he became a better blocker and a better pass catcher last year, and I hope they go to the him in the red zone more. But I don't want to sleep on Harrison Bryant. Coming out of college – he was the best tight end in the country, at least won the award for it. And I think he's very reliable. I wouldn't be surprised if they split him out, actually. If we're thinking about Schwartz or somebody being a third receiver, it might be Bryant, to be honest. So I think at the end of the season, it's Njoku. But I think Bryant takes a massive step this year getting involved in the offense. This is the year for Njoku. This is the year. This guy is an athletic freak, like Chuck said. Like If he's going to be that tight end in the mold of the pro bowl tight ends in the NFL right now, this is the year for him to do it. Even with someone like any quarterback that takes snaps for the Browns is going to get the ball to the tight end a ton, uh, supposedly, especially in a Stefanski offense, right? Supposedly, but so this is it for Njoku, but, but maybe that's a guy that lines up in the slot. He's such an athletic freak. So I expect him to have the better year between the two, but I really, I really think some, I think Harrison Bryant provides a consistency to this offense, though, because that guy is a pass catcher through and through. And we saw we, we saw glimpses of it. You expect a jump from both of those guys. But if, if Njoku isn't an all star kind of guy this year, that's a that's a disappointment. I think this is the year Njoku has to has to step up. He just has to. And he's gotten the money. Austin Hooper's not there anymore like taking catches away joku needs to step up this year and and make something happen i hope to see it but why don't we put an end to our discussion about the tight ends another (laughs) segment of 13 shades of brown we're getting so close to the season we're going to close up our at home segment here fellas take our first break head out on the road and talk major league baseball at the trade deadline Fellas, welcome back. We'll do our second segment. We'll head out on the road, and we will talk Major League Baseball at the trade deadline August 2nd this week. The official trade deadline comes. I know there's like a fake one later in the year. It's like the non-waiver or the waiver trade deadline. I don't know. Players are still going to move after Tuesday, but um, this is the, the big one that everybody's been talking about. So let's start out west. Did you know the San Diego Padres are now a big market team? They already have Tatis Jr. under a huge deal. They have Manny Machado. They're about to sign Joe Musgrave, their starter, to a $100 million deal. He's 8-3 and three with a 2.63 ERA this season, so he definitely deserves it. And there's rumors that they are still pursuing Juan Soto. Padres have a $217 million payroll, fifth in baseball, and they're 12 games back in their division. Is this a new normal for the Padres? Or are they under the impression that they have a window this year and they're just all in? (laughs) I I assume it's, 
I mean, the Padres have always had some bigger guys on their payroll all the way back to when, Jesus, we were like with the Ken Caminiti days uh, when they were making runs. But I didn't know it was that amount. That's a lot of money. Uh, but I assume you have to be out there, right? And I assume their window's open. They have a nice pitching staff. Uh, you're competing out there for, for with the Dodgers, I, I guess, who are perennially spending almost a billion dollars, it seems like, a year. So good, good on them. I like it. See, I think that people have looked at San Diego, especially before they got their new stadium, which is still it's like the new stadium has been there for 15 years or something like that. But I think that they have looked at that team as a smaller, maybe not Kansas City, Cleveland, but a smaller market team, certainly one that not one that's competing with the Dodgers or the Cubs or the Yankees or something like that. I don't know, man. This is a huge payroll and they just keep adding to it. I don't know. Denko, what do you think? Maybe they're all in right now because of the format of the postseason. They're squarely in the in the um, wild card spot. I think they're in the two spot in the NL. So it's it's similar to like the East of the AL, right? Like they're so far behind the Dodgers, but they're games ahead of the next person in line for the wild card. So it's all about getting to the dance, I guess. And that's what they're looking at is, all right, uh, we've got we've got guys like Tatis and we've got guys like Machado. We got to, this is our window. Like we've got to win now, get us to the postseason. And I don't know, maybe, maybe they have a farm system that's loaded so they can pull a Juan Soto. Like we talked about where they get control for the next couple of years. And even if they're not competing with the Dodgers to win the division, they don't have to, they don't have to, they just need to land in the wild card top three and you're okay. I think that this is going to become a team that we see, start to spend. Uh, if you've ever been to San Diego, you know that it is not like a small city. It is not a small Midwestern town. Um, San Diego is packed with people and packed with money and packed with fans. And I have a feeling the Padres might over the next 10 years kind of join those ranks of the really big spenders. They're going after it, man. And they, if they would land Soto, geez, I don't see why they wouldn't be able to compete with the Dodgers. They might not catch them, this year but in a playoff game or a playoff series man i don't see any reason why they wouldn't be able to keep up but maybe you're onto something denko because the mariners traded at the end of last week for luis castillo from the reds the mariners gave up the number one three and five ranked prospects in their organization to get the deal done castillo does have two years of arbitration control after this season uh, a little bit like the padres the mariners are 12 games behind the astros but second in the wildcard standings. Is that too high a price to lock up a wildcard spot? It, well, it, it might be, but that's your top end talent. I, I guess we don't, we don't exactly know, like, where does that rank? Like, where, what is their farm system like? Let's assume their farm system's as good as the Guardians, right? Like, let, let's assume that. That number one guy was ranked as the number 12 prospect overall in that's, baseball. That's huge, right? So you, that's what I was going to say. Like, let's assume it's a, a farm system like the Guardians where you're, you're, you've got some top 50 prospects in that list. And if you're giving up, your, what did you say? You're one, two, and four? One, three, and five. They went all odd numbers for some reason. That's a lot. Like, I, I like I like Luis Castillo. I, I, you know, it's, uh, man, that's a lot to give up. But if if you're that starting pitcher away from being a legitimate postseason contender because all you have to do is get there. Like we were talking about, you're not going to catch, you're not catching the guy in front of you, but you got to get to the dance. That starter makes a difference. And on a, on a really shitty Reds team, Castillo is having a really good season. So that that's a tricky one. I, I We talk about it here in Cleveland. You, you start mortgaging the future a little bit for your window. And maybe that's what they looked at and starting pitcher rules, right? Like that's what you need. So you give up, but they did give up a lot. That, that's, I don't know. It's hard. I don't think I answered your question. Definitely sitting on a fence here. Uh, go Mariners. <laughs> Danko's undecided. Where do you come down, Chuck? Only because of our mindset as Guardian fans. That is that too steep a price to pay? Because we rely on our farm system to replenish the major league roster with small salaries and guys who can outperform contracts. For Seattle. I don't know. I just know what my frame of reference is for, for our organization that we cheer for. But looking at Seattle, like when's the last time they made a run? You know, like when they won 120 some games with Griffey and Johnson and Martina, <laughs> yeah. like, is it that long ago? Like, is it really that long ago that they were like a top three team in the AL or those were like Ichiro years, right? That they did the, that they won those, 
the 120 yeah. game season, yeah. 116 game season, or something like that. So that's early. It's early 2000s. It's 10 or 15 years, probably. Yeah, and that's that's a long time, I guess, for for a, if we're talking major market. I guess they're a major market team. I think it's too steep a price. Like if you got if it was like three and five, you go okay. Or if it was one and five, maybe. But one, three, and five, man, you're you're mortgaging three position players, or if they're, I have no idea what they were for a pitcher who you have for two years, right? That's what you're saying. Yeah, they have him under control for. They have the potential yeah. to control him for it's two a, more years. Right. It's a small window, so I think it's – I won't sit on a fence. It's too steep a price. It's interesting. Maybe I'm looking at this the wrong way. I thought for sure it was too steep a price because all they were going to lock up was a wild card spot. Uh, and it's like, well, man, you're that far behind in your division, which in my mind means you're really that far behind legitimately competing for a title, whether it's your division or the American League or the World Series, and you're giving up a ton just to get – a little bit better but maybe it's it's just that opportunity to get into the playoffs and see what happens crazier things have happened than a, a wild card team making a run in the playoffs especially if they've got good starting pitching but i don't know it seems like you're going to add a really good guy to a pretty good team and see what happens in a division that you know for sure you're not going to win that, that seems like too much to me rumor has it that the Angels are listening to offers for Shohei Otani. Is this just bullshit sports talking, or would the Angels actually <laughs> trade this guy? Now, I would give up one, three, and yeah, five for him yeah, in yeah. any minor league system. I would assume it's bullshit because he's, Jesus, there's no one like him in the, in a very, how many, how many years? Over 80, I'm assuming, to 100 when you, a guy could pitch. But that that team sucks, and I don't get it. You know, you have two legitimate superstars. <laughs> the Guardians have zero legitimate superstars, and they're competing. So I, I couldn't imagine getting a re rid of a player who I go out of my way to watch. But again, like if you, I assume if you're not getting one three five, you get one through fifteen for him. I guess I I would take it if I were the Angels because it's not like they're winning anything with him now. I think it's bullshit because he's a generational player. However, if if the return for a Shohei Otani is a Juan Soto two and a half years of control and a potential extension because you're in a major market and their top prospects, then maybe you consider it, right? Like if you can fill out your roster on a team that's struggling, struggling to compete with all these stars or at least two legitimate stars, maybe you consider something like that. But beyond that, beyond pulling back a, a Juan Soto and an extension and their top three prospects i i think it's bullshit i can't imagine them moving him for anything i think i'd love to see them trade him yeah wouldn't you like to see shohei otani playing someplace else and i god i hate to say it but wouldn't you love to see him on like the yankees or something like that or a team that's going to make a run into the playoffs so you get to keep watching him right yeah 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 so i hope they trade him but i i think this is one of those like oh we listen to we listen to offers for everybody, and some reporters like even Shohei Otani, and the GMs just like, yeah, even Shohei Otani. Like, give me a break. You're not move. You're not moving on from that guy. You, you do better to try to figure out why do we suck, even though we've got these good players. <laughs> that should be the focus, not worrying about a trade. Uh, rumor also has it that the Twins, Guardians, and White Sox are aggressively looking to add pitching before the trade deadline. Only three games separate those teams right now in the central. Do you think any of them are making a big move for a pitcher? I don't know. I actually thought potentially the guardians would go after Castillo um, and he's moved already. So there you go. So I don't, I don't know what other big name out there is, is someone we can get I, of the three. I hate to say this of the three, I could see the white Sox making the move because big market, lots of money, Let's get that guy on the mound and and we're two games out of first right now and just start beating everyone the rest of the season. So I think of the three of them, I could see the White Sox doing it. Same. Yeah, the Twins and the Guardians are a lot alike. I can't see either of them adding somebody who's that big of a difference maker unless it's, you know, like Guardians might be bullpen help. I don't think it's a starter. So yeah, White Sox, if anybody, are adding a starting pitcher kind of think that nobody's making a big move but all of them are going to make some all three teams will make some little moves like you're saying like we'll get somebody in the bullpen um 
one extra arm in the starting rotation or something like that, but nothing that's going to be earth shattering. I, I have a feeling that these three teams probably all think they're good enough to win this division. And it's just a matter of playing well and seeing how it all shakes out over the course of the second half of the season. So I don't think he, any of them think they need to make a big move to secure the playoff spot that'll come out of the central or to grab a wild card. Cause they're all pretty close um, in the, in that race as well. So probably my guess, no big moves from any of those three teams, but maybe some, some littler ones. All right. Not a trade issue, but it's hard not to mention the fact that Aaron judge now has 42 home runs before August 1st. That is ahead of the pace that Babe Ruth and Roger Maris were on at the same time in their seasons. If he keeps going, are you ready for the debates about what the real home run record is and whether or not Judge can get there? I'm ready for it. I can't wait. I I, want to lead these debates. Uh, Absolutely, (laughs) man. In fact, let's just shut all the debates down and have Aaron Judge hit 74 home runs this year. How about that? That would be the easiest thing, right? right? Yeah. Let's go on a little bit of a tear <laughs> and uh, just put uh, Barry Bonds and his growing HGH head to to bed, I guess. <laughs> I like how you, you mention, and that's how it's being framed. It's Babe Ruth and Maris, not not so much Bonds or McGuire or Sosa or anybody like that's being. But I, I sure can remember all of us watching every game when McGuire yeah. and Sosa oh, were yeah. chasing it. So if, if that's going to be, if, if that's how it's going to build, then yeah, I'll, if they cut to every at bat, if he's getting close, I'll, I'll be watching it. But no, nah, I mean, I, I don't really, I guess I don't care all that much anymore if somebody breaks it because juiced or not, 74 home runs is an unbelievable, it's insane to think that somebody did that. It's insane. So if this guy can do it, I'll be interested, but not as much as I was back in the summer of. <clears throat> when was that? Ninety something, two thousand. Well, I don't know. Ninety eight for Sosa and McGuire, and then ninety eight. Bonds yeah. hit his seventy three in like two thousand one or yeah. whatever. I think it's going to get interesting when and if he gets to sixty two, and then everybody's like, "Well, wait a minute, he's hit more than Maris, uh, and he's not juicing." Presumably, you know, the guys who held it before him were McGuire and Bonds, who are guys I think, whether it's been admitted or not, are pretty much you know, believed to have been juicing. So we're going to get this silly debate about, well, there's the clean home run record. And then there's the HGH Mm -hmm. sponsored record here. Aaron judge (laughs) just won the clean one, but I I think it's coming because the guy he's actually heating up more right now. Like he's done, he's like 12 home runs in his last 14 games or something like that. Like he's, he's getting into that type of groove in the middle of the season that you need to do in order to get to, 60 65 home runs and geez if he can get there it's gonna start and people are gonna be talking about it and i'm gonna hate it because i don't want to hear about it i I agree with you (laughs) you know what the game was what the game was when barry bonds hit 70 plus home runs man that that is the record because that's the era that he played in and he hit more than anybody else so i don't know i think it's coming i'm just not that excited about it i am excited to take our final break come back head off the field for another All Ears from the Land. Welcome back, fellas, to our final segment. We'll head off the field, and one of our favorites always, All Ears from the Land, and tonight it's Ladies' Night. Queen Bee, Beyonce, released Renaissance Act 1 on July 29th. Got to start with Beyonce's stat line, which I will tell you when we get through with it, is one of the more impressive ones we've looked at. Beyonce has sold over 200 million records worldwide. She also ranks as the second best-selling digital singles artist of all time. Rihanna is number one. The world is weird. (laughs) Beyonce has been nominated for 79 Grammys. She's won 28 times. She's had 19 songs reach the top 10 on the Billboard Hot 100. Seven of those hit number one. Springsteen, as we have discussed, has zero that hit number one. The world is weird. Fake news. Uh, but <laughs> by all accounts, Beyonce is an icon and a force of goddamn nature. So, scale of one to five. One being a dog sniffing a tree, five being me sniffing a tree. How interested were you <laughs> in the assignment to listen to this album this weekend? <laughs> All right. 
I think I think I'm all over your scale here. So dogs love to sniff trees, and you probably don't give a shit, right? So um, I, don't see what the fuss is about, right? I'll be honest. When you assigned this this week, I was more of a Gerber sniffing a tree on that scale. I was maybe a two. Wait, no, that's a four. I don't know. I'm on the Gerber end of the scale, <laughs> and I guess we'll get to it. But man, was I wrong, Chuck? How about you? I've seen plenty of dogs sniff trees. I've never seen you <laughs> sniff a tree, so I'm more interested in that. But for the sake of your scale, uh, I was probably like at a four, somewhere in there. Yeah, I, I was too. I'm not a big Beyonce fan. Couldn't name many of her songs after the Destiny Child era, which was actually a long time ago, if you looked that up. So I was probably a three and a half or a four, but definitely on the not that interested scale. So Getting into the album, the lyrics are at times fantastic, at times um, made me blush. So which of these <laughs> lyrics in these songs do you think captures the overall mood of the album? The song Pure Honey, and you got to listen closely. It starts with more than 40 consecutive. It's already our favorite. It should be our theme song. Yeah. Yep, that's it. Done. <laughs> The song Cuff It includes a line, on my body, boy, you got it. Hit them hydro, I'm sorry, hit them drolics while I ride it. Got me acting hella thotty. And I'm really glad that we covered the Grammys a couple months ago and we learned what a thought was. So we knew what getting hella thotty would mean. And America has a problem, which I had assumed was her political song for the album. And it was going to talk about some of what's going on in our country. And it starts with, heard you got that D for me, pray your love is deep for me, I'm going to make you go weak for me, make you wait a whole week for me. So which one of those songs and lyrics overall captures the mood of the album? <laughs> the mood, uh, well, for the mood of the album, it's it's the last one. It is dripping with sex. So this album uh, seems to be nothing but it at times, which... I want to say the 40 cups just for the sake of this, because we're lucky to get one in a show. But uh, yeah, it's it's the last one just because it, it, it encompasses the album's sexuality pretty well. Yeah, this album was all about seduction and provocative. I mean, it, it was it was insane, right? Like every every track and and. I'm torn between the last one and, and, and pure honey. I think they both kind of encapsulate what queen B is trying to put out there for us. Wow. Yeah. Good stuff. <laughs> I'm actually going with cuff it. I didn't put the whole lyric in there. There's, there's more after she gets acting hella thotty, but yeah, I agree. This is an album <laughs> where she is absolutely pushing her sexuality and, you know, seduction and and sex in general uh and so any of the songs that touch on that are going to hit it um so i think it's pretty clear that none of us are really huge beyonce fans but maybe we enjoyed the album or at least at a minimum it's not really fair for us to say it's not a good album just because it's not our thing so if you can put on your beyonce fan hat and if you were a big beyonce fan what do you think your favorite part of this album would be well Wow. There's a lot. There's a lot there. If I'm a big Beyonce fan, it's, it's all about the being comfortable in your own skin, right? Like that's a theme over the the first third of the album, at least, which is great. Uh, it's awesome. Uh, she somehow intertwines that with, you know, she's going to absolutely dominate me as, as a male, which is <laughs> intimidating <laughs> and I love it. <laughs> I've never mowed the lawn faster, <laughs> but I, I think... <laughs> Sorry, just a peek behind the curtain as to when I was listening to the album for the third time this weekend. You know, as a Beyonce fan, I think the last, and maybe this, I don't know, maybe I'm biased because I'm not a Beyonce fan, but the last three songs were great. This is, I forget what we brought up in the past on, on an all, all ears where an album mattered with what, what device you listen to it on, right? So I listened to this album twice on my earbuds once you assigned it. 
and I was, you know, okay, two different workouts, whatever. I'm going to listen to it. It was fine. It was good. And I had my own favorites. And then I listened to it today on my indoor system with a lot of like range and holy shit that I have a completely different opinion of this album. I mean, the bass and the drum line on some of these tracks were ridiculous on a good system. And it was, I, I kind of enjoyed it anyway on my second listen, but the third listen was made all the difference. So, but as a Beyonce fan, I, I think my favorite three songs were the last three songs. Without getting too deep, hopefully we get there in a little bit. But if I were a Beyonce fan listening to this album, the fact that she raps as much as she sings and she pulls it off became, I didn't realize like, and I know like that's kind of where, you know, like Doja Cat and Nicki Minaj, like all the, in, all of them are pretty decent rappers. Like Beyonce was never a rapper. At least I didn't think that way. And maybe she sprinkled it in a little bit here and there. And oh, by the way, she might be still, you know, she's married to one of the greatest rappers in the history. So maybe he's penning some stuff for her. But the fact that she did it almost half the album and pulled it off and sounded great doing it as a Beyonce fan, that would excite me. Like, oh, she, she can sing almost flawlessly, but now she can rap too. I would go with just the overall subject matter. What I took away from listening to it for a few, for a few times was that unapologetically standing on equal footing with any man who is making an album. I'm going to talk about sex. I'm going to talk about my physical attributes and what I like about them and how I'm going to use them. I'm going to talk about all my success. I'm going to talk about my money. She is talking about a lot of traditionally male subjects and she is doing it as, as a woman and proud of it. You know, you're not going to judge me. I'm going to do this. I'm going to, you know, there's lots about asses and, you know, shit like that, you know, and it's just, um, <laughs> no. as somebody who appreciates that our society can never have enough equality, what I heard was a woman standing on equal ground there uh, without any concern for the judgment that might come. And I thought that was, um, I thought that was pretty cool. As a Beyonce fan, I would say, yeah, man, that's, that's badass. What she's doing is badass. I feel like there are a lot of good like clubbing songs uh, on this album. Beyonce t is turning 41 this year. Do you think she's still hanging at the club or is she making music that she doesn't <laughs> listen to? <laughs> I, don't, I don't think she's hanging at the club, but I, I think she probably made the best club record that I've heard in maybe over a decade. This thing wow. is a banger i listened to it a few times the same way phil did on my earbuds on my phone and then i really heard it almost flawlessly produced the best part of this album not best song best part of this album are the transitions if you listen to the album in order it is yep. seamless one song melts into the other and it absorbs it and if you're not paying attention you're halfway yep. through the album you know how did i get here I don't remember what song it was. It might've been the second or third. I think it was the, the alien yeah, superstar song, song where yeah. uh, you hear the voice say, don't, don't attempt to leave the dance. Floor. Like, I would never, I would never, man, you got me like this shit. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like I'm, I'm here for it, you know? And like, and I don't know what Renaissance means, you know, like I, I'm assuming it means she's taking forms of music house and even new Jack swing. I heard on this album uh, in jungle in kind of claiming them back in disco most of these, all of, not most of these, all of these music forms started in the black community. And you think house music, you think white guys in like Germany, that's not where it started. It started in Chicago. So it, I, I thought there was a, a claiming to some of that back to, to, to her community, which damn, like she does it way better than most of these people have even attempted to do it. But, um, it's, it's a flawless dance record. Um, before I listened to it, I was like kind of scrolling through Instagram late one night and Questlove had already heard it. And he said, this is her off the wall. This is her Michael Jackson wow. off the wall. And people took it as this is off the wall, which that's not what he meant. But I was like, man, you can't. I'm not going to try to compare it to off the wall, which is the greatest disco album of all time, in my opinion. But I knew I was listening to something really special by like, uh, not Coz, Cuff It. Once I got to Cuff It, I'm, like, I'm listening to something that is... Again, you said this, she shifts culture. She is an icon. The reason that albums come out on Fridays now and not Tuesday is because of Beyonce. Uh, so when I got to that track and it got to the end and it hollowed out and I started hearing those horns, I'm like, dude, this is a phenomenal 
dance record. And that's what this is. You're not you're talking about, you know, there, there's not many themes in here um, that you're going to go, oh, okay, this is going to make me think, you know what it is. And it's unapologetic, like you said, Gerb, and I appreciate that. But I was by the end of this album, like, man, 20 plus years ago, they could play this thing in whatever club I was in, and I would dance for an hour straight. It was phenomenal. I don't even remember what the question was. That was so fucking good. <laughs> <laughs> is she still hanging out at the club or is she making music she doesn't listen to? Ah, she is not hanging out at the club, nor nor does she have to at this point. But she is making music yeah. that, you know what? You got me to listen to it. And I, all right, listen, I, I'm, I love music and we've talked about this in the past. Like I, I any genre, I'm, I'm willing to give it a listen, open-minded. You, you know, I love it. Uh, it's all about a feeling. But I have never in my life listened to an entire Beyonce album. Never. Not one time did I put on her album and listen to it track one through the end. And this album I did. And I kind of wonder now what I've been missing, to be honest. Like, this is an amazing dance club album. An amazing dance. The first time I listened to it, I thought, I can't tell I can't tell what song is what, like I, I kept, I kept hitting my phone to see what the name of the song was. Cause it was just the trend. And I, and the first time I listened, I'll be honest, I, I took that as a negative, like it's all one song. And then I listened to it again and I listened to it again. I'm like, no, no, no. This is not unlike other albums we reviewed that transition that way. And we thought this is a work of art. Like this is amazing. And that's exactly what this was. And the message was great. And the message was not meant for me. <laughs> it was not. At, at all in, in yes, any song, but, but it is, it's understand that that human is out there now, yeah, man. Yeah, like your right. life is sure. influenced. You're impacted by that for sure. It's for everybody. And, it's not it, meant to inspire you, but you know, yeah, well, it wake but, you up. But to a certain point, I realized like, Hey, this is, uh, this is really good and really powerful. And that's how we judge music, right? Uh, it It's, you can put an album out there and there were tracks on this, song on this album that I thought, God, this sounds like a Janet Jackson album from the eighties. This sounds like a Paula Abdul album from the eighties, the way the track would start. I'm like, that's exactly what she was doing with the start of that song. Get your ass on the dance floor and let's do this. But then, then the song, the song in and of itself would evolve, which was amazing. Like I, I'd look at it. I'm like, wait a minute, I'm still in the same song. And now, now she's talking about this. Like, this is, this is really amazing. So I was surprised and thank you for assigning this because I would have never listened to it this way. Had you not. Yeah. I'm assuming she doesn't hang out in the club anymore because um, I haven't wanted to be in a club in like 20 years, but 20 <laughs> years ago, I would love it when a good Beyonce or destiny's child song came on, man. Like that was, that was always a good time. So bourbon scale one to five. I'm really interested to hear where you guys are going to fall. Phil, where are you at? This is a, a complete surprise to me. I, I, I'm going to give, I, I, I wish I, I wish I had my bourbon scales in front of me of previous albums. Cause I know how I feel about this album versus the weekends album versus red hot chili peppers and other ones we've, we've reviewed, but I'm going to take my initial bias out of this and give this a four. I'm going to give it a four. Like, I think this is really good. And I think fellas, it's hot girl summer. And whether you want to admit it or not, like we're going to hear a lot of this, we're going to hear a lot of this going forward. And I think we should, I oh, really think we should. I'm with Phil. This thing's a four, easily a four. And I thought it might even be higher on this bourbon scale. I'm, I'm not saying this album is, is, is made for me. Uh, there are songs on here that I was like, oh, I may never go back to them. But once it gets into like a groove and there are certain songs on here and it was typically like the offbeat ones, that I was just like, it didn't matter what I was doing. I started moving. I'm, I'm like shaking around. What am I? I'm walking with Chip through the woods, and I'm like, and I'm listening to Summer Renaissance. And when she says, "You sexy, sexy mother," I was yeah. like, "You damn right, I'm Hell sexy." Yeah. I'm like, "You damn right, I am, girl." Uh, it's it's a four, man, and and I think like I, I I'm with Philly. Like I've never sought out be like if Single Ladies comes on, I love that song. I can admit that, but if, there's no album tracks I've ever heard of Beyonce's like I'm gonna listen to this over and over. Uh, but this, there's going to be songs I definitely go back to on here. Uh, the difference for her is like, you know, I, I've always thought, man, she's a really pretty woman and she's a really talented woman. And I'm trying to compare her to somebody and it might be Madonna, but Madonna seems forced compared to this album. Everything seemed forced with Madonna. Now that I listened to this, I'm like, this is, this is organic. Everything about this, it just sounds perfect. So it's a four. And I was leaning towards, 
I was almost at a four and a half, like 4.75, man. Well, I'm, I'm glad we did this. I will tell you that I like the message of it because I'm, I like a little defiance, but this is like a two and a half for me. There were too many times where I wanted to skip a song. Like it got to a middle of it or near the end of it. I was just like, ah, I'm I'm over this. I want to skip it and move on. We have talked about albums in the past where the song, like the beat or something or the sound of it changes like halfway through. And so I can't remember if that was Kendrick Lamar or if it was the weekend that was doing it. It was happening in this album and I didn't love it. I just like I could I could never get into it. And so this I appreciate it for what it is, man. Like there's no stopping Beyonce and nor should there be any stopping. But this is just one I'm never going to listen to again. Like I'm almost I'm glad we've gotten to Sunday and I can put this one away and I can (laughs) go back to listening to Springsteen. (laughs) That's exactly how I thought I'd feel today. That's exactly how I thought I'd feel. And I do not. I don't. I don't. I'm going to listen to it again tomorrow morning. (laughs) <laughs> that, that's fantastic then because you know she needs more listens and she certainly needs the money i suppose right <laughs> that's right <laughs> maybe not but before we wrap this up on a sad note we lost an icon this week klondike announced it was discontinuing the choco taco this week it was invented in 1983 by alan drazen uh, there are over one billion choco tacos sold and a bunch of those were to me at ndcl's cafeteria between 1991 and 1995 so phil what's your best choco taco memory uh i i don't think i've had a choco taco since since ndcl i don't think i have but that's not to belittle that memory because it was ndcl and it was the we we had like that separate ice cream freezer cooler thing right like that was by itself at the end of the yeah 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 yeah. yes yeah you're exactly right that's right it was by itself man so uh and i think on the way to riding the elevator illegally over and over again that's where the choco taco would come into play and i will never forget chuck what about you any choco taco memories I say good riddance. I never liked them. And when and when we were going there, I would always skip past that and get the blue raspberry like slush yeah. puppy. That was my go to. And I would still have a slush puppy today over a Choco Taco. I, I won't miss it, but uh, I know it's it's painful for a lot of people. So uh, condolences. I think my favorite Choco Taco memory was when I introduced it to my kids you know, like 20 years after we'd been out of high school and was like, no, 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 you need to try this thing. I've been eating these since I was like 15 years old. Like, this is the greatest thing I spent my money on between ages 15 and 18. Um, so I'm sad to see it go. It's really too bad. Although I had, probably haven't had one in like 10 years. But anyway, uh, boys, we are out of time. I am out of questions for now. And we just did the whole show without mentioning that pop star Shakira was indicted for failing to pay $15 million in taxes. With that news, Oops. that the hips may have lied. <laughs> <laughs> but they remain innocent until proven guilty. I hope you guys have a great week. And let's get together and do this again real soon. Absolutely. <laughs> Uh, I hope she goes in jail. To the 2022 Cleveland Browns season, another outtake. (laughs) (laughs) Monkeypox. Who's catching it? Jeez. Is that okay? If that becomes a serious thing like COVID, we're going to have to take this out. I think it, I think it has. <laughs> I didn't see any news today. All right, so there may be some issues at the quarterback spot to start the year. So wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait, wait. What about Najoku, right? Like you said, pass catchers. So a guy like David Najoku – Maybe we need to no, rely. Would you let me get to it? I'm sorry. I'm stepping on. You know what? <laughs> I need like a hand signal or something. Like you, if if you're gonna get on the tight end, no, that's hand. perfect. I I respect that hand signal. I got two guns. Oh, one for the each of you. For the each. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead with so, your question then. Here's your chance. Do you want to talk about tight ends? No. 
<laughs> I'm over it. I'm over it. Fuck that position. <laughs> no, yeah, I'll, I'll give it a shot. I, I think um, is going to be there with uh, what's his name, Austin. What is what's his name? Harrison Bryant. Harrison Bryant. Harrison. God damn this. I yep. can't drink this natty daddy anymore ever. Yeah, really, it really is having an effect. It really is. This is really bad. It's going to be like mouthy Chuck week two. <laughs> so the Padres have a $217. <clears throat> that, that doesn't seem cheap. I, I would go ahead and take care of that. That seems pretty easy. I could write that check. <laughs> I almost didn't get the Natty Daddy because the I was at the grocery store earlier in the day and all they had was a 15 pack. I'm like, what the fuck am I gonna do with 15 Natty Daddies? <laughs> well, the trip is coming. Yeah, was, that's exactly what I thought. Like Drink those them. will be coming on the trip with us. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then yeah. I I stopped at a gas station and they had the the three pack of the jumbos. I'm like, all right. More, more of my three. seventy. Look at this. <laughs> Sells anything in three five ounces. I think, I think that means oh that the serving size for Natty Daddies is a three pack. Like that's for one person, right? Yeah. But they're twenty five ounce cans. The three packs right. are huge. Right. It's yeah. a yeah, seventy five ounces of Natty Daddy is the for seven dollars recommended for seven dollars. I'm like, all right, yeah. I can do this. <laughs> I got to tell you, it tastes like shit. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah. It's, no. Yeah. Does, your, right. does, your, does a 40 taste better than Natty Daddy? Uh, right now, ask. Well, I mean, this is going to hit me at some point tonight. So ask me in a half hour. But right now, yeah. I'm going to give the nod to the old English 800 as a better tasting really? than the Natty Daddy. But it's early. Boy, we haven't I, done I 40s in a while. Yeah, it's early. It's early. It's early. No, it's true. Is is it a different? I, I don't I don't know if I've ever had a natty dad. Is it taste different than natty light? Yeah, it's I way, assume it's, it's more it's way worse. Full body, it's way worse. It's, <laughs> it's, it's it's natty. It's it's natural brew trying to be a beer. Like natty light knows its place, right? It oh. just like all the other weak light beers. It's yeah. just cold and crisp, and you don't I don't taste know. It. You just bought three of them. Fantastic. Well, I would have bought right. one if it came <laughs> in a one pack, but it came in a three pack. <laughs> This is for Chuck, and the other two are for both of his kids. So there we go. <laughs> All right. Hey, look at Thank that. You. Saturday night is like the Rhythm and Dunes festival. It's one of like our, our big like music festival in town. So I mean, it was, um, you know, like 2,000, 3,000 people down at like our park by our marina. And um, it was a country band playing this year they're called union guns uh they played like oh. two and a half country songs i think the whole night and the rest of it was just kind of like countryed up versions of like 80s songs and like classic rock and stuff like that and they wouldn't stop like we're all sitting there it's like 9 30 at night we're like it's got to be done right this is it i'm like well they're not going to end on jesse's girl they're going to have to play something after this and then they played the um, wagon wheel, the one somebody else did it, but then Hootie did it. Um, and I'm like, all yeah. right, this is a song you can end on. And then they immediately went into something else. They, they, I thought what was going to be the last song, which is a song I've never heard played live, but was absolutely awesome, was uh, Boys of Summer by Don Henley. Mm. Yeah. Lights wow. out live. I'm like, well, maybe this will be the you end. You got to end like, on nope, that, right? right? End on that. <laughs> And we left. We're like, all right, we got to take our dog home. We've been here for like three hours. This is ridiculous. We're going home. <laughs> Boy, you know what hit me today was um, while we're six weeks out from the start of the Brown season, that also means we're less than six weeks out from our worst fantasy league draft oh that's right we gotta get that going Ready. again yeah <laughs> that's exciting i like that because it's a weekly bit it it takes out some some writing every week from the show because i know like we're going to talk about um you know orange slices and and who are you mad <laughs> stuff like that right <laughs> did we did we completely auto draft last year 
100 percent. Can I do it yeah. again this year too? Yeah, yeah absolutely. I love it, man. Yeah. I love it. I want all I want all my go. fantasy Only leagues go that go. route. I think it's hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's the best. Yeah. <laughs> I wish there was a way to set it to like auto set your lineup every week. So we didn't even have to pay attention to <laughs> yeah, like right. putting players in, you know, <laughs> right. like somebody's on a buy, just just plug yes. in the best guy at his position <laughs> on my bench and just, you know, let me enjoy my Sunday. Maybe that's what I should do in my free time is try to develop and well i can't do that but send it to bots who can develop an app that will automatically set your lineup Auto lineup, i love it <laughs> your only responsibility is to enter your email address <laughs> from there you're good Done. to go yeah. no. do that sometime no. in august that's you're right good to go until february <laughs> that's fantastic all right let's wrap this shit up <clears throat> get Chuck to his nightly feeding. That's right. <clears throat> yes. <laughs> what do you mean I'm funny? Funny like a clown? You didn't use you?